1: You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. The Neverland Podcast, episode 106. Up to
2: Neverland. Take the start of the right and straight until
0: morning. Neverland.
1: Take your pixie out of your pocket! It's time once again to fly to Neverland, and my goodness, we have so much content this week, it's going to be another long show, which is mainly because, you know, we're going to listen now to the story of Return of the Jedi, which I have not yet shared with you here on the podcast, but before we do that, we're going to take another visit to the Neverland trailer park with Lost Boy Eric, and... The big thing that we have this week, we're going to sit down with Tom Amin, piano player, composer, Disney fan, Star Wars fan, all around cool guy. You're going to love hearing from him. We had a great conversation and, you know, boy, he's definitely welcome to come back anytime. Had a great time talking to him and you're going to get to hear it all this week. And make sure you visit his website and purchase his new CD, Journey to the Stars. Wow, it's it's really cool. He's doing Star Wars music. It's really great. Uh, but we'll talk all about that here later. Uh, but let's just go ahead and get started and go straight to the Neverland Trailer Park.
3: Mama, now the gator got you in the house.
4: Now the gator? Uh, give me that shovel. Come here. Oh. Get him! Oh. Get that gator.
2: Eww. Ah. Eww. Ah.
5: The Neverland Trailer Park.
1: Well, we're back in the trailer park again. I don't know if that makes us rednecks or not, but here we are. It's the Neverland Trailer Park. And we have two. One Disney-created movie, and uh, and the other is, well, it's a Disney property, but it's made by somebody else. Uh, So we have a couple of new trailers that came out this week. There was actually four trailers that came out that were of interest, but we only really have time to talk about two. So I figured we'd do the most important ones that were actually Disney properties. And the first trailer was for the new film, The BFG.
5: It was the witching hour when the boogeyman comes out. When people go missing. The girls say the witching hour arrives at midnight. I think it comes at three in the morning when I'm the only one left awake. Like always. Like now.
6: Never get out of bed. Never go to the window. Never look behind the curtain.
1: The BFG Okay, now this uh, Oh no, golly I cannot think of the author's name It's, It's such an odd name But this is the same author who wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory
3: That's right, Roald Dahl
1: there's that is i i always have a hard time being all that like think of it and say it because it's a it's a odd kind of name <laughs> but uh so i already you know you've got my interest because i mean i when i hear bfg the first thing that goes through my head is the bfg 9000 or whatever from doom you know the big flipping gun gotcha <laughs> <laughs> so when i first heard that they were doing a movie called the bfg i was like the big freaking gun what's you know but then i heard oh it's this book from uh ronald world well i'll let you say it rolled doll that's the guy when i heard it was that i was like well hey that's got to be good because i've actually you know i've i've listened to the audiobook of charlie and the chocolate factory and he really is a really good author and very creative so i was excited for the to get a chance to get a look at this and uh boy they, they, this
3: really is a tease isn't it Oh, it certainly is. Um, it's very moody, very atmospheric. You know, to be honest, I knew that there was a book out there. You know, I too read, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. I've seen Matilda and James of the Giant Peach and all of these different adaptions of his works. But, uh, the BFG is one that I'm really not familiar with. So I didn't know what to expect when I first saw this preview come on. Other than the G and BFG I knew meant giant. Mm -hmm. So I knew it was coming. But
1: I love the way that this set things up and just kind of gave you a hint at the beginning of this little orphan girl who says the witching hour isn't at midnight. And this is when everybody's afraid of of midnight. But it's at 3 o'clock in the morning. And why does she say that? Because that's when she wakes up 3 in the morning. And who knows how long she maybe has noticed that there is something outside the orphanage. And we finally get just a hint of seeing this giant outside. And that's the. I love the way the narration there just says, and this is only the beginning of our adventures. Right. Like, ooh, this is going to be fun. <laughs>
3: yeah. And how many times, or how often is it now that we get a trailer that actually stops in the first act?
1: Yeah, well, this is, though, a teaser trailer. So this is where they just want to tease it out there to say, hey, this is coming out, by the way, this summer. So it's a long ways off, mm-hmm. but here's a little peek
3: at something we're putting put out. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it's coming from Disney. It's a was written by Roald Dahl, and hey, guess who the director is? Steven Spielberg. Yeah, which he likes to bring along his buddy John Williams.
1: That he does. I uh, so that really caught my eye there at the end of seeing John Williams doing the music. I'm like, oh, buddy, I'm on it already.
3: Now you know we've seen other uh, movies that uh, Steven Spielberg has produced. At Disney, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but mm-hmm. I think this is the first time that Steven Spielberg has actually directed a movie for Disney.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also the first time John Williams, other than Star Wars, now uh, has done though a Disney film. Because mm-hmm. Star Wars is still a Lucasfilm; it's it's a company owned by Disney. But this is a direct Disney film, right? So right. How cool so, is so this, there's, yeah, there's there's a
3: lot of promise here.
1: Oh yes, and I hope those promises will be fulfilled. But real quick, we'll give it a
3: quick letter grade. How well do you think this stands up as a trailer? Yeah, I, I'm going to give it an A. It uh, gives you a really good uh, feel of what the world that this uh, movie lives in, uh, and then it hits you with that uh, gut shot that yeah, this is directed by Steven Spielberg. So you know he's he has more hits than losses. You know, and Steven Spielberg plus uh, themes of children and family. I don't think that they're that he can go too far wrong with us.
1: Yeah, I have to agree that I got to give this an A for being just an interesting tease for just, you know, this is going to be, be fun and something kind of different. And it's, it's like a, it seems very fairy tale-ish to have a, the giant and the little girl. And then, but yet set in kind of a real world London looking type area. So I'm very excited of what this could be, even though we know nothing of the plot, knowing, you know, like, like you said, Steven Spielberg, who, I mean, he, after seeing Hook, and I absolutely love Hook. What he can do with this type of genre, as yes, I, I'm, I'm sold.
3: <laughs> Buy the tickets now. I'm ready to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say between that, between, uh, you know, a- again, just his track record as far as you know, family movies goes, and you know, even beyond that, you know, his his oeuvre, if you will. But uh, yeah, it's going to be very exciting to see what he does with us. Mm-hmm.
1: And the next trailer that we have to bring to the park. Is is X-Men Apocalypse.
7: I saw the end of the world. I could
8: feel all this death. Jean, it was just a dream. You
0: wander through the willows in the fog. Far-
8: many things over many lifetimes. Ra, Krishna, Yahweh.
0: Ever since the world found out about mutants, there have been secret societies who see them as some kind of second coming or sign of God. They believe that tens of thousands of years ago, an ancient being was born the world's first.
5: Mutant.
8: You are all my children and you're lost because you follow blind leaders.
2: But I am here now. I'm here for you.
0: Wherever this being was, he always had four followers he would imbue with power.
8: Like the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. He got that one from the Bible.
0: or the Bible got it from him.
8: What is it? Oh God. He can control all of us. Charles! The world needs the X-Men.
0: That's why I'm here. To fight.
8: Not all of us can control our powers.
0: Then don't. This
7: is war. Everything they've built will fall. And from the ashes of their world
2: we'll build a better one.
5: I've never felt power like
8: this before.
1: Okay, well, visually, this is very interesting. It's fun to look at, and as a Marvel fan, it is nice to get little hints at Archangel... Uh, and finally, you know, getting a new, younger Jean Grey back in there, and a lot of different characters pop up, even if Apocalypse does... Well, he looks, I think, a little better than he did in the the photo, where he looked like a bad Power Ranger villain. I think it did look a little better, but we mainly just see him from the back in this, this
3: trailer. Yeah, we don't get that uh, whole, uh, lips-to-cheek thing. Yeah. From the comic <laughs> box.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, overall, I would say, you know, it. Uh, there, there's a lot of good things going on for this that would get you interested, and uh, you get a, quick, a lot of quick flashes at just some of the characters. And I, it is funny that at the end they're like making this big deal out of look, Charles Xavier without his hair, da mm-hmm. But there's two things that really bothered me, and this that, and this is not going to bother everybody, but this bothered me, and it, ma- it makes me wonder, worry about the direction they're taking this film. Uh, the concept where Apocalypse is introducing him as having many names, and one of them being Yahweh.
3: Yeah, that struck me a little uh, mm-hmm.
1: as well. And then the, having the, the, the little conversation, you know, it's like, oh, look, the four horsemen of the Apocalypse, just like in the Bible. I guess he got that from the Bible, and then someone's saying, or maybe the Bible got it from him. Didn't like that either. Mm-hmm. Some people are, you know, I'm sure are not going to be bothered by that because this means none of this stuff means anything to them at all, but it it means something to me, and that kind of, and when I showed it to Heather, it didn't sit well with her either. So, and that being a theme of it, now I, you know, granted, there might, I haven't studied up on Apocalypse himself, but I don't recall this ever being part of his makeup that he was supposed to be, you know, I am God or something. I this is kind of weird for me. I'm like I don't know if that's the way the character is supposed to be, but I don't like that they're doing that because I think they are really going to turn off some people when they see that they're going to be like oh oh ah, I don't know that you know they, you're stepping on toes a little bit there.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: So oh, and I mean, and
3: uh, apocalypse does have you know a history of living for a very long time since ancient Egypt. Yeah. Um, of uh, you know trying to. Uh, you know, build up what his ideal vision of what a mutant society should be, mm-hmm. and you know, he certainly has had his uh, Horsemen of the Apocalypse in several incarnations in the comic books. So, yeah, you know that's that's something that is familiar. But I, I could certainly understand your concerns as well with where uh, Brian Singer wants to take this. Yeah, uh, and
1: I still not don't know that I like that they have Storm as a villain there as one of the Horsemen.
3: Was like what? Wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and and he has uh, taken his horsemen from uh, the X Men ranks. You know, Archangel himself. Yeah, uh, he became Archangel because he was a horseman of the Apocalypse under Apocalypse. Yeah,
1: you know, so that at least Wolverine's makes been sense. there too. Yeah, I think I do recall something about that. I, I don't remember reading it, but I have heard of that doing that. But you know, I don't know why they took Storm because I don't. That doesn't fit with her character to me. Yeah.
3: Well, and we know that everything changed after. Uh, Days of Future Past, so maybe this is one of the changes that they want to incorporate into their uh, little uh, mutant uh, multiverse there. Yeah, and boy, you know, change
1: is the name of the game for what Fox does with Marvel properties. (laughs) No comment. (laughs) No comment. And I did see somebody on 20th Century Fox's page where they had this up on YouTube. Somebody says like, oh, hey, remember, these are the same people who also made the Fantastic Four. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so, granted, uh, I did think Days of Future Past was an excellent movie. It probably was the best uh, in the franchise. They've also done things like, um, what was X-Men 3, but they had a different yeah. name. The Last Stand. You also have that, and the what in the heck was that supposed to be Deadpool from Wolverine Origins. You know, they Fox messes with stuff to a way where you're like, oh, this isn't quite the characters I've grown to love. So mm-hmm. I, I really wish this property was back in the hands of Marvel Studios because I feel like they give a better treatment to these characters that they can take even something that seems silly to the average person like Ant-Man and make him a beloved character. Because, mm-hmm. heck, Iron Man was supposed to be, you know, like a B-class, and he was like, oh, well, there's people in the world who actually didn't know who Iron Man is, which shocking, and lo and behold, you know, one good movie gets out there, you know, and suddenly Iron Man is a household name.
3: Exactly. Well, but, but uh, be that as it may, I'm still glad it was Robert Downey Jr. rather than Tom Cruise. Very true. (laughs)
1: Very true. Robert Downey Jr. uh, There's nobody else who can play (laughs) Iron Man. (laughs) Yep. But uh, we're digressing. We're digressing. (laughs) But yet still staying on point, I guess, a little bit with Marvel (laughs) films. But I, I almost hope that they manage to, if Fox completely messes up to where it doesn't seem like it's a viable franchise to them, to where maybe Marvel could get their hands back
3: on the property. Yeah, you know, it it remains to be seen. I think you know Fox has got their lawyers going over every single clause within their contract to try and hold on to it because, for the most part, it has been a very successful series uh, yeah. for them. And you know they do have their plans for uh, <clears throat> for Deadpool coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that they want a Marvel TV or a mutant-related TV series, mm-hmm. and so you know we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah.
1: And we'll see how things change with Hugh Jackman stepping down and not wanting to play Wolverine anymore.
3: Yeah, but you know, but we still have that th- third Wolverine movie to look forward to, and mm-hmm. hopefully it'll be better than the first two. Yeah,
1: although I did kind of like Origins. I it had a lot of good stuff, although the stuff I was expecting the entirety of the movie to be actually happened in the first five minutes of following the, him through history. I would mm-hmm. love to have seen a, an entire two-hour film of him being around in history and... Really giving a good full origin then. So when it suddenly got to where, oh look, we're right before he gets his adamantium already. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I still, I found a lot to enjoy in that movie other than when it got to the, what in the world, is that supposed to be Deadpool? <laughs> yeah, so. He's <Yeah. laughs> the merc without a mouth. Yeah, and, and Blades, it doesn't even make sense that he'd be able to keep in his arms because he'd never be able to bend his elbows again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. You know, we know Fox can mess things up, but we also know they can make successes. And I think Fox is really just bitter because, I mean, Fox still owns the rights to the first Star Wars film. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. But I think they just don't want to let go of probably their biggest moneymaker they've ever had in their existence. Right. So I think they're just bitter with Disney, so they're going to fight tooth and nail. And not, you know, even Sony at least will play ball. And so I yeah. said, so, well, we still have some film rights for Spider-Man, but we would like to mix them in with the Marvel Cinematic Universe because you guys are doing awesome things and we'll make money too. So mm-hmm. Fox apparently just doesn't want to get on board. They'd rather just,
3: you know, cry over their milk. Yeah, well, we're still waiting for Universal to do something with the Hulk, rights, So.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, well, uh, you know, at least Marvel Studios
1: got to make that. See, that last one, the Incredible Hulk. Uh, did that that didn't come out through Universal, did it? Uh, it did. It did. Uh, it did. OK. Well, you know, uh, it seems to have been dropped. I still would like to see that Hulk sequel because they teased that the leader was going to be appearing. And and it is encouraging to see here in Civil War that we do have good old Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt Ross being played by William Hurt again. Mm-hmm. So that's encouraging, you know, that maybe, you know, I don't know. I think the rights of the Incredible Hulk has mostly come over, but maybe they just can't do a solo film, I guess, at I, this point. I, this yeah,
3: th- I think that's that's where the... The, the issue in the hang-up lies is with those yeah. uh, individual rights.
1: And you know Universal wants to hold on to stuff because they have stuff in their parks. And so they're like, um, we don't want to lose everything we have to Disney because we make a lot of money from ticket sales in the parks, too. And yeah, To which point I would just tell Universal, you know what? You have Harry Potter. You're going to be fine. <laughs> okay, but there was us digressing all over the uh, the trailer park there. Um, we should give a letter grade, though, to X-Men Apocalypse
3: yeah you i know, i'm i'm I am going to give this an a name uh because it does do a good job of reintroducing you to the characters, mm-hmm. letting you know and and making it very identifiable that you know there's Jean gray there's Cyclops there's Jubilee,
1: yeah, um,
3: so you know it it's got those recognizable characters that the fans are going to you know already be familiar with um and it is giving you this idea that here we've got this ancient mutant who you know has been around for Thousands of years, yeah, you know, how is that going to impact uh, the the mutants as they are now? I know the the trailer doesn't say anything about it, but I know it's set in the '80s, so yeah, um, you know, I I think it did a good job in introducing what the concepts of the film are, are going to be, and you know, again, those people who are already X Men fans, they're going to already be very familiar with uh, what what's being shared. And please, for the love of God, use Cyclops
1: for more than just some side character
3: or for a uh, one off joke. Yeah.
1: I cuz that really that's cuz Cyclops is one of my favorite characters and the way they treated him in the first couple X-Men movies I was like, "Really? This is what we get? This is terrible." So <laughs> it it took me a couple viewings to start to actually enjoy the first X-Men film. Mm, because of that. And I think I the enjoyment was increased when I started seeing the deleted scenes. That I was like, you know, if you put these back in, then it seems Cyclops more as himself instead of what you've made him appear to be. Right. So, yeah. So I'm hoping for a better Cyclops. So I got to agree with you, though, as far as trailers go, this one, they did a very good job putting this together. So it is an A-class trailer. I just have a couple of doubts about, you know, of the movie itself. But we'll see. Right. All right and that both of these I believe are summer movies well although granted I guess May isn't quite summertime but you know it's Memorial Day weekend it's kind of the kickoff anyway so, Yeah. yeah X-Men uh, I know that's uh, Memorial Day Mhm BFG we just know it's sometime in the summer but of course you know Disney always puts out a good live action somewhere early in summer and it'll probably come out around about the same time Mhm right. Oh I I
3: I'm just hoping we get a good uh another Star Wars preview for next December's film Oh, yes. Sometime soon. <laughs> oh,
6: yes.
1: I'm sure we'll get a little Rogue One tease sooner or later. Oh, yeah. Because, hey, uh, they're starting to work on episode eight. They're going to start shooting here in January. Mm hmm. So, oh, yes. There will be more Star Wars. <laughs> All right. But we better hop out the trailer. <laughs> All right. All
9: right. To Disney and beyond.
1: Oh. All right, Neverlanders, we have something fantastic. We have a great guest. We have a composer, musician, all-around Disney and Star Wars fan, which makes him awesome in our book. You've probably heard of him before.
4: We have the great Tom Amin on the line with us. Hello, Tom. Hey guys, Jeremy, thanks for having me on the show. This is awesome. It's always good to take a trip to Neverland. That's oh, what I do. Of,
1: of course. And I hope you brought your pixie with you. because I know,
4: did. I always have it with me just in case.
1: Because, yeah, you run out of pixie dust and it's kind of a bad place to crash.
4: <laughs> then you're in trouble. Right? Exactly.
1: <laughs> Oh my goodness! So you have a brand new album coming out that we're definitely going to talk about. I'm still waiting for my copy from CD baby. I was hoping it would arrive by now. <laughs> oh
4: my good! Oh, did you order one?
1: Yes, I ordered oh, it Monday morning. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, I knew it's released. I got to order and get a copy. And I was like, okay, please show up, please show up, please show up. <laughs> and I was hoping to have it before today so I could listen to more of it. And because I've gotten here a little bit of samples on your website, which That's... by the way is TomamineMusic.com. Make sure you go check it out. Great website, really fun. Cool. Thank you.
4: Well, thank you for buying it. I, I appreciate the support. It should get there soon. CD Baby is really good. So
1: yeah, I've ordered Hopefully. from them before. Actually, yeah. uh, the the Harp Twins. I've got oh, a couple nice. of their okay. CDs.
4: Oh, very nice. Very nice. So,
1: yeah, CD Baby, I think, does a really great thing. And it's, I, I really like that uh, people who produce their music independently have really good outlets to sell their music in the modern age
4: with the internet. It's, it's great. It's just such a great – CD Baby is such a great company for us, like independent artists that don't have you know a lot of money. And, of course, we don't have labels behind us for distribution and stuff. It's just a great way – to uh, get your music out to people. It's really nice.
1: Yeah, and I, I love the, the modern age where now we don't have to have somebody sign you to some big label for people to hear your music. Now you can you can post it onto YouTube if you wanted to, and you can sell it yourself on iTunes, and you can have a website and and, and get your music out there. And I think that's where more of the, the talent lies is for people who are able to do it themselves. I think some of that's better than what I'm hearing out of the, the like
4: the pop market these days that's very cool I I agree with you there's a lot of independent and small artists that are creating some really really fun stuff and some really great music uh, and like you said it's great because I wanted I've wanted to do the Star Wars album for a long time and I decided this year like this was going to be the year to do it because I figured it would be a great tie in because the movie's coming out and there's all this hype for you know the new Star Wars uh, so I thought why not put my two cents in you know and get, sure. get in some of the hype so I figured this is the year to do it and I'm so glad I did but it's great because I can do it you know uh, record it myself, produce it, and then get it onto the internet, and hopefully people will enjoy it.
1: So you can sit and crush your fingers, and say,
4: "Please, somebody buy this." I know, right? <laughs> I have to pay my rent. Please buy, please buy. <laughs> exactly.
1: Oh, but clearly you are following your passions. So I kind of want to go back to the beginning a bit. Um, I did see on your website that you started playing piano at nine years old.
4: It was very young, although I guess. Some people say that was kind of late to start. I don't know, because I guess people that show – like little kids that show a real interest in music show it at an early age, I guess, generally, like around five or six. But I didn't really come into it uh, myself till I was about nine or ten, and I first started on guitar. I started taking guitar lessons first, and I really liked it. Uh, But we had a piano in the house. Uh, My sister had taken lessons at the time, and I got sparked. uh, As the story goes, I went and saw – my parents took us to see the Superman movie. Ooh, yeah. Superman 2 specifically, and I just heard that opening score from John Williams, Mm -hmm. and I remember it, it just spoke to me. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks, and I thought, "What is this? I love this music." And so I went home and started playing it on the piano because I was uh, I could do stuff by ear. Wow! You know, so I could just sound it out. And I started playing the piano, and my mom came into the room like, "What are you doing?" And I said, <laughs> "I'm playing the song, like I'm figuring it out." And they were so, they were like, "Wow!" Because up until then, I just started guitar, uh, but that's how it all began.
1: Suddenly they realized, wait a minute, he seems to be able to play
4: the piano. <laughs> Get him <them laughs> some lessons. Exactly. They said, Did you want, do you want to take lessons? And I said, oh, sure, why not? <laughs> and then what happened? Right, you know, so I'm like, yeah, let's give it a try. And so my parents, I don't think they wanted to be too forceful, and they wanted to just see how if I would stick with it. So they put me, like, in a 10-week uh, uh, class, you know, with other students and... And it was at a mall, you know, it was at Arrowhead Music, it was at this little music store, we were in a <laughs> class, and all the music we learned was like Disney music, you know? Oh. So, and at the time, you have to stick with well, this, is like what, like 1978, 70, like it was in the 70s, so <laughs> I was learning like Candle on the Water, and some Pete's Dragon stuff, and like the Mickey Mouse Club songs, and all this kind of stuff, and then of course that's what started my... My love affair with Disney, because I was starting to learn all this really cool music. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it was kind of like it all came together really nicely for me. I guess as a kid, it was destiny. <laughs> I guess so. Huh? <laughs> my gosh!
1: Oh my goodness! Yeah, you know, I think that's kind of where I started getting into a, to really to appreciate music was, of course, John Williams. Because, oh, of course, when I was younger, uh, I I had a hard time telling the difference between the Star Wars theme and the Superman theme. <laughs> they they're so similar and they have that same great punch yes. and that 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 John's Williamsness <laughs>
4: exactly that only he can do you know
1: yeah which uh, my goodness I heard a really good description um uh over rebel force radio with with Star Wars Oxygen where they talk about John Williams' music and uh David Collins was was talking to um and I can't remember the guy's name he's uh done the music for the Star Wars Battlefront but they were talking about how John Williams how he could layer his music and have there was his, his like theme for things is movement there's always some movement going on where it's this multi-layered where there's something interesting either in the low ends or in the high ends at all sure. times and I, it's something I you don't really think about, but then I go back and listen, and like, oh my gosh! Because when you hear, you, when you think of the Star Wars theme, you automatically go dun dun. But then you, if you listen right. to that underneath that dun 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 dun, dun it's right. very exciting stuff. I'm like, oh,
4: it's so thrilling. You're right because there's all different kinds of stuff going on at the same time, and he's such a brilliant guy in writing that way because it really pushes the music, I think, and it really pushes. Whatever he's scoring, whatever's happening on the screen, it's pushing it even further and, making, and just bringing it to a new level.
1: Oh, yeah. He plays with your emotions. <laughs> yes, absolutely.
4: Absolutely, he does.
1: Oh, and that's, that's I think, one of the things I've really enjoyed about uh, a lot of Disney movies, when because they have great composers like, you know, Alan Menken, oh. uh, can get right to the heart of that story and get you into it. Oh, my goodness. And I think that's, that's part of what, one of the many reasons that makes me such a big Disney fan is, I and I I'm you know I still like some of the newer ones but I still <laughs> I love the 90s stuff and even the the early ones especially the 90s you know the Alan Menken stuff that's the stuff that really sunk in Little Mermaid I watched that yes. almost religiously
4: I know. Uh, Me too. I mean, that was such a renaissance period. And until then, you know, in the 70s and 80s, there had been some stuff, you know, that came out, but nothing that was really capturing, I think, audiences the way that it did back in the 50s and in the 60s with Mary Poppins. Well, that's live and animation. But then here comes Little Mermaid. It's a 1989, it was this beautiful, you know, score, beautiful music, and it mm-hmm. sounds like a Broadway show. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the word, uh, the way it's written, and then you have this great story and great animation, and it just came together, and it was like, wow. I know, I bought that album, and at the time, I was going back and forth to school. I think I was, that time, I was just leaving for college, and I brought that album, I listened to that album constantly. <laughs> constantly. Yeah. I loved it. I yeah. know the
1: feeling. I think that's where it really started, I that the sickness really starts for, for listening to a good movie score. is Because uh, you know, you, before you're like, oh, well, I like the stuff from Star Wars and stuff like that. Yeah. But then you start grabbing your Disney soundtracks and you've got first half, of course, you would have on the tapes. Right. You'd have the songs right. and you'd start to sing along. But then you flip to the other side and then I was like, wow, this is great.
4: All the instrumentals would be on the other side, and I'm just, uh, look, so kids today don't even know what a cassette is. <laughs> so, and then all you know, and then you ever play it so much, you know. What would happen that the cassette would warp? Yeah, like the tape would warp and then it would get ruined, or it would it would ravel, unravel. unravel. Uh-huh. And the player, you had to take a pencil <laughs> and like push, you know, the the little circle. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, the things we did for our music back then. Yeah, and you would <laughs> Panic panic would just be yes. in your heart, like, no, the, sa- the tape's gone, and you know, yes, like, no, not this one now. Yeah, but uh, and then you know, once CDs came, it was like, oh, that was so heavenly for me. Cause it's like, <laughs> oh gosh, no more tapes, and you could fast forward right to the song you wanted mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff so i did have little mermaid i had on cd so that was one of the first few because C- i think i started buying cds in like 85 or 86 so it <laughs> was like brand new to me then <laughs> i mean this is going i know this is going back for a lot of us but that's when <laughs> yeah. i started getting my own cd player and then I, I think at the time like i had a cd player put into the car you know because up until then it was really just tape decks you yeah. know so, uh, but yeah, I remember the, and I still have it. I still have all of my Disney like things that I bought through the years. I still have those CDs.
1: Oh, Of course, it becomes yeah. the collection. And then now the nice thing is we preserve it. We can put it all on the computer and I have yes. it all there. And the nice thing is I've recently uploaded everything into Google Music. So wherever I go, I have access nice. to it now. That's and, awesome. And I was so resistant at first because we're, we kind of like, no, but I want my CDs. And I'm like, you know, I'm right. really being silly. You know, maybe <laughs> having a digital is okay. Right. So, but I like to have both. You know, give me my physical copy. I agree. I so,
4: agree. I agree. It's like a good backup. I know.
1: Yeah, it's like a good backup. <laughs> But because CDs get scratched, I've got uh, my special edition uh, Return of the Jedi actually has a scratch, oh, right, no. uh, with the Luke and Leia, which is one of my favorite themes Oh, in there.
4: no, that's awful.
1: The fun thing is that was, I had already... Um, I, I had collected like I, I I thought I wanted some some quick Star Wars CDs that just had some of the major themes on it. So it Ooh. actually had copied that song onto another CD. So what I've done is I grabbed that old CD that extra CD, found that the track was still in perfect shape, just copied it over and put it in the the
4: folder here with the rest of Return of the Jedi and relabeled nice. it and. I'm like,
1: yay, yeah, I still have it at least digitally, even if the disc has got a scratch in it.
4: Very nice. That's happened to me a couple times too, where like the disc won't play anymore. It gets scratched, but it, mm-hmm. I, I thankfully had like put it onto my computer before that, so I still got I still can listen to it. Yeah,
1: that Just way pray. you don't get that. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs>
4: and that was pretty bad too.
1: Oh, and that's that's another thing. That's the the newer panic in your heart, like <gasps> I, know,
4: I know. What's happening? I no! know. I, I understand. I've been there many times.
1: Oh, yes. That's the power of music that it has, you know. We get I know. Into this.
4: So true. So true.
1: And especially like with movie scoring, and I know you're a fan of movie scores. I hear you recently did a concert where you played some of your favorite movie themes.
4: I did. Well, I had the Star Wars album came out uh, last week, and so I did a concert at a jazz lounge here in uh, Los Angeles area. And what I did was I, I focused on Star Wars, but then I did my favorite movies and songs from uh, from the past, like, 30 years, what I've loved. Mm. <clears throat> Actually, maybe more 40 or 50 years, but I just picked things that I love, that I love to play, that influenced me. Uh, and it was a really fun show. I, I was able to do... Like actually sang the Home Alone song You know, the Home Alone theme Because that's somewhere in my memory is a great song Especially Uh, for
1: Christmas time, you
4: know It's so perfect Mm -hmm. And then I did like the theme to The Godfather I did Jurassic Park I did uh, E.T., Back to the Future Just a bunch of things that I've loved throughout the years That I felt inspired me And it, it was a great time We had a good time at that concert
1: Oh, I'll bet. I wish I lived in L.A. I would have went to go check it
4: out. <laughs> oh, it would have been fun. It was a really nice time. It was. It's a great little jazz lounge, and it was great just to share my music with uh, with people that I knew would like it. You know, that would would uh, appreciate it. It was really nice.
1: Any plans to uh,
4: record any of these and release these? You know, I was thinking about it because the past, you know, the past three albums I did or Disney and then this one was Star Wars and I thought it would be kind of cool to do like a, a compilation of like my favorite movie themes you know yeah. so that way I can go beyond Star Wars and go into like the songs that I just talked about and even some other ones that I really love it would I think that would be an interesting project I would totally be open to that
1: Oh yeah cuz that that's one thing I've kind of noticed with uh, with different musicians online and, you know sometimes to get attention you know you play something people are familiar with but then put your own spin on it Yes. And then suddenly people are interested. Well, I wonder what else they've got here.
6: Right.
4: (laughs) Right, that's true. That's, That's very good. And that happens even for me. I mean, that's how I find artists sometimes as well. I'll be searching for a song, and then I come across oh, wait, this person sings, you know, "Leaving on a jet plane. I wonder what that sounds like. And then I click on, if I really like it, it, then it makes you want to learn more about that artist. Yeah, it's so true.
1: And it really does give you a chance to uh, kind of look at a, a piece of music with new eyes. Um, yes. And I, I, I'm going to cite you on an example here because uh, I, I, I've got the, uh, oh, was it Pixie Dust and Magic? I do have oh, okay. that one, only digitally, but I still okay. have it.
4: Which is good, that's good.
1: Uh, and I... Uh, because you know, normally, okay, as Disney fans, we get tired of Small World. You know?
4: I know. Uh, I know. I'm with you. But then to hear how you've
1: played it and, you know, slowed it down, it really reminds me of how, uh, you know, Richard Sherman will tell you that, well, we meant that song as a nice, slow prayer. Yeah. And you've yeah. really translated that out on the piano. And my goodness, I, I got all emotional when I first heard it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is Small oh. World. But I was like, this it really brought out what I think the Shermans were trying to do with it. I was like, see, this is what, you know, he- hearing some people do different. You know, it's like, oh, it's just a cover of this song. It's like, yeah, but listen to somebody's interpretation of it and, yeah. you know, see what they can bring out of it to make you hear it with new ears. And I just was
4: blown away. Oh, thank you so much. That That's very nice to see, because that's exactly what I was going for was kind of that. I wanted to slow it down. So, almost like a prayer or a meditation, you know, to say, look, we all share this world. Kind of like what you said with the Sherman Brothers originally wanted it, because they did originally write it slowly to Mm -hmm. be a slow song and they sped it up for the, the ride. But, yeah, it's one of those songs where once it gets stuck in your head, it it cannot get out. You know what I mean? And if you've ever been stuck on the It's a Small World ride, you want to tear your eyes out at the end. It's like, oh, my God, please don't sing that anymore. But it is still a great song. It's a really well-written song, and the words are great. So um, Sometimes you just have to slow it down to appreciate it. (laughs) And that's what I wanted to do. And I thought it turned out pretty well. And then I just put my little spins on it and see what I could do to kind of – Make the melody just a little, you know, just add my little touch to it. What I like to do, and uh, I thought it turned out really well. I really loved recording that song; it was really fun to do.
1: Yeah, uh, and I a lot of it. It sounds like you used a lot of Epcot, uh, an older Epcot, in there. <laughs> which uh, I, I've only been, I've only gotten to spend like maybe uh, a couple hours at Epcot because I've only been to Walt Disney World one time. And okay, we'd been at Animal Kingdom all day, and you could Got wear it. your feet out. So we yes. get to Epcot, and we got through, like, Spaceship Earth, which is a fabulous ride Love it, love it. Uh, went over and did the Mission Space, but then Good. we get up there, and just, we just walking on the concrete, and we start looking out at the World Showcase, and we're like, oh, my feet are killing me. I don't think I can do this. So <laughs> exactly. we, went, we picked out one thing, we walked to it, and we rode in Maelstrom, and then said, okay, let's go.
4: <laughs> exactly. Like, we're done. We're yeah. done. I understand, because those parks are huge. I mean, they're just, they're really big park. I happen to just have a soft spot for Epcot because we started going there. I'm from Ohio. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. So we, my parents would take us down to Disney World, of course, because Florida was closer to Ohio than California. Yeah. <laughs> and we started going around like the early 80s, and that's when Epcot had first opened. And my dad actually had a commemorative. He's got commemorative uh, opening day tickets and everything. Wow. So... We were there kind of at the beginning, and I just fell in love with Epcot. Like, I, all the rides were fun and new and interesting, and then they had this whole world showcase in the back, and you could go experience different countries and taste their food and talk to people that are from that country. It was just really a unique experience for me. So I really have a soft spot for Epcot. And of course, the music. I loved the the 80s music of Epcot. Was fat was like fantastic stuff. Yeah. So... It's just good stuff, and so many diehard Epcot fans love it, and I, I'm just one of those fans. You know what I mean? Like Figment, you mentioned Figment to me, and it brings back a million memories.
1: Oh goodness, yeah, <laughs> and I, I completely missed out on Figment, uh, and I had a you know my, my, my best friend, uh, Lost Boy Philip, for the Neverland. Got it. Uh, okay, he's a huge Figment fan. He actually gave me a little plastic Figment because I started getting more familiar with him from the uh, the comic books. That been ah, that's doing.
4: right. Yes, that's
1: right. Absolutely love it. And, you know, I'd, I'd heard the audio because, you know, people had, you know, captured the audio from the original ride, which I, I really I'm so sad I missed out on the original ride. <laughs> yeah, sounds yeah. like it was so much fun. And I love Billy Barty anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, so, you know, you you become a fan of them just from that. And so uh, there's so much stuff I missed out on. And I I really want to, I'm going to get a chance. I'm going to go back to Walt Disney World one of these days. And I'm going to spend a lot more time in Epcot because I hear of all the things that were there. And like, oh my goodness, I missed out (laughs) on so much. And I want to see Illumination so bad after hearing the music.
4: Oh, it's one of my favorites, Jeremy. Mm. Uh, Oh, I didn't see that now till I think I went down with a friend, a friend of mine. His brother was getting married in Orlando, so I went down with him uh, just to like be his companion or whatever, just so he had a friend to go with him, and we're like, let's go to Epcot for a day while we're there. And we said, okay. So we went there for the day, and I hadn't been there in a while, uh, and it was really fun to catch up and see all these new things, but then we saw Illuminations, and we were just blown away between the music, the message of what that show is you know the whole uh, spinning earth that comes out on the lake and then it opens up and then there's this big torch that comes out you know at the very end when while they're singing we go on and then all of the world showcases lit up in like lights and it was just it's the most stunning thing and so we fell in love with it now that's another soundtrack i totally wore out on that (laughs) cd i mean and still to this day i love just popping it in and listening to it it's great music
1: yeah, I've got a bit of a sample of it that I use for the theme here for the Neverland podcast because I nice. when I first heard the music I was like, This is
4: amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just brilliant. It's like a ma- it's like a classic masterpiece, you know? It's like it will never sound old to me. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how old it gets. I heard though that their illuminations is going soon, aren't <gasps> they? They're I, I thought I heard on a podcast they're thinking about replacing it now. Oh, I hope not. I hope I not. I know. I was like, no, but it has been going for, what, like yeah. 15 years or something? Uh, you know, if it's that good, just keep it. <laughs> it's just so good. Like, you can never get tired of seeing it, you know? Yeah. It's just that good. So, anyway, you've got to see Illuminations at some yeah, point. Yeah, we've just, shut it down. If the-
1: well, I hope you know. don't. Sometimes those rumor things fly around, so I, I wait until, you know, if I hear it from Inside the Magic or something like that, then I'll right, it's Right, exactly. Then we so, know. Right, exactly. <laughs> the, then exactly. Then we cry, like, no! i like, no!
4: Like, <laughs> same with the Osborne Lights, I, and I saw those on that same trip. My friend and I went to, uh, um, what's the park called? I just lost it. My, my brain just had a meltdown down here. <laughs> uh, like, uh, the park that has the Osborne Lights, it's the, um... Hollywood MGM Studios. Studio. Oh, cause I, you know why? Because I keep thinking MGM Studios, but I know that's not right. <laughs> and that's why. That's why I had little brain like like what is it again? Because I I always think MGM, but you're right. It's Hollywood Studios. Yeah. But that Osborne Lights is amazing. It's Amazing experience. It's like a whole town done up in lights. Like you can't get enough of it. I, I'm so sad that that's going
1: away. Yeah, and I never got to see it, and it's going to be gone.
4: I know. That's a bummer. I saw it only once, and it was back in 2001. But I'm so glad I got to see that.
1: Yeah, see, that's that'd be the benefit of living nearby one of the parks because I would visit all the time. But the unfortunate thing is I would be spending all of my money on that season pass, so I could go anytime I wanted.
4: Exactly, that would be my downfall as well. I'd be in Epcot all the time. I <laughs> <laughs> just be, like, let's go to dinner, you know, let's go <laughs> be a Napoli or something. I yeah. want some pizza. Uh, uh, let's see, what do we feel like doing? I know, let's go to Disney World. Okay, <laughs> exactly. That's pretty cool to me. Now I do live what's nice about LA is that we're close to Disneyland. It it depends on traffic, but it's, it's probably about 45 minutes to an hour away. So sometimes I'll go down with friends, but we just go to, uh, the downtown Disney there and we'll just walk around and stuff and eat dinner there and, uh, take some of it in there without having to actually pay to get into the park because it's so expensive right now. And I don't have a pass. I don't have a season pass for Disneyland. Oh no. So I know I need to get one because most of my friends have one, but, uh, I I know, and I need to go because there. There's a lot about Disneyland I really have grown to love from living here. Uh, I still love Disney World. Is like, you know, that's the ultimate. That is the ultimate. Walt Disney World is a great experience, but there's so much at Disneyland. Yeah, it's really really cool, and I really love it.
1: Yeah, I haven't gotten to go to Disneyland yet, but that's definitely in the plans.
4: (laughs) You gotta at least check it out one time. It's it's a really neat experience. It's it's very cool.
1: At one of these years, Friends of the Magic, I'm going to be there. <laughs> that sounds good to me. I've already sent one of my Lost <laughs> Boys out there to represent us, but still, nice. I haven't made an appearance. I'm like, yeah, there's got to be some people who actually want to see the Pan of Neverland, you know.
4: <laughs> right, exactly. Of course, they might exactly. be
1: disappointed when they meet me, like, oh, ah, him? Oh, okay.
4: Oh, oh they'll be ecstatic. <laughs> they'll love it.
1: I hope so. <laughs> Because I feel like anymore when I've started podcasting and I start talking to all these other Disney podcasts that most of my friends are now people I just know online more
4: than I know (laughs) in the real world. I know. It's insane how much tech has just changed Mm -hmm. all of this stuff that I'm even talking to you. We're in different states and we're using Skype and it's just crazy.
1: And you find other music nerds.
4: Yes absolutely
1: <laughs> is that you absolutely. know that's the, these are the people that can you can understand like we played in marching band and I that's played nice. trumpet mainly because well I actually wanted to play percussion uh, but ah. they, because I hadn't taken any lessons in it in middle school they didn't let me start so they put me on the trumpet but that's when you start <laughs> having that dream of like I know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna get really good at this and then I'm gonna play for the London Symphony Orchestra. there you go That's right I got nowhere near that
4: I was terrible <laughs> <laughs> Oh I tried the trumpet once it was i could not do it I, it's a it's a that's a gift all in itself i tell you because what's great about the piano <laughs> is that you can see um <clears throat> all the music theory and the notes you can see it all it's yeah. a physical thing because the pianos are keys and you press the keys and you can physically see what a half step is and what a whole step look, look yeah. looks like but on these other instruments like flutes and oboes like it's so different i i just could not get it i i couldn't do it
1: yeah, it takes a while to get uh, as the the word they gave us was embouchure. You yes,
4: your, of course. You of had course. to get your correct embouchure.
1: <laughs> but with yes. the trumpet, you only have three vowels to do, yeah. and I don't even know how many octaves you're supposed to be capable. Oh, of. It's but crazy. You, you have to adjust your lips and all that stuff. Yeah. And and then, so I think I you know I always wanted to learn piano because you have such a, a, a wide range. Mm-hmm. And I took a couple lessons, and I just kind of learned how to do scales a little bit. Um, okay. But what I used to do is, uh, I, you know, we we briefly in the living room had a piano that I don't know where it had come from, but my parents decided to sell the thing. Okay. Uh, but as soon as we had it, I was like, "Hey, I'm going to learn how to do this." So I ran out. I bought a uh, a complete songbook from The Little Mermaid nice and I learned where the notes were so I and I, I I don't have the dexterity I don't think to do both hands I think that takes time and practice but I started at least playing the melody and some of the chords and stuff on one hand and I was like no I can't even read bass clef. I don't even know what this is <laughs> so then of course I also bought you know the, the musical copy of uh, just the main theme of Jurassic Park and I was like oh I'm oh, gonna yeah. learn this and I had all these goals and I just never achieved
4: any of it <laughs> well you just got to keep going back to it right yeah. a little bit at a time, yeah, I just need a piano. <laughs> well, that well, that helps. Uh, yeah, that does help. You need one of those. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: I do know. I, I believe my wife gets to inherit. Her parents have an old piano that's really badly out of tune. Sounds like Rolf the dog from The Muppets. Something he would be playing <laughs> Jeez. on. Yeah. I think my wife gets that, but we, there's no way we can get it into the apartment. So <laughs> ah, <laughs> we need a house, and then then she can teach me how to play. And there then, you go. It's then all when set. I'm sixty, I'll actually might be good at it. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Oh, it won't take that long. (laughs) It won't take that long.
1: It's definitely got to take some dexterity because, I mean, the independence. I mean, even I I get completely mesmerized with Vince Guaraldi. Just the Charlie Brown, you know, the the Linus and Lucy theme. When you hear what he's doing on the bass with one hand and then he's (laughs) playing the melody on the other. And I'm like, how do you keep it
4: separate? Yeah, it's amazing. It's really all about teaching your brain to think two ways at the same time. (laughs) That's really all it is. It's but it's amazing. Like he, I love him. He's he's another great great musician. Mm-hmm. Oh, so great!
1: So I had a heck of enough time. Uh, I used to play in a, a band, and I, so I'd play guitar, and I had a hard enough time trying to have the melody that I was coming up with vocally be uh-huh. different enough from what I was I was trying to play on the guitar to where I didn't <laughs> just follow the chords around, you know.
4: <laughs> no, I know it just it just takes practice. That's all. Yep. It's 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 a it's a definite um, learned thing that you just have to keep practicing over and
1: over again. Yep. And unfortunately, I had to sell all my guitars and everything.
4: Oh no!
1: <laughs> you can't really play with them in an apartment because your neighbors get mad. <laughs>
4: well that's true well electric yes of course you could do acoustic yeah
1: well i'm I'm gonna have to buy myself another acoustic and i'm gonna get back to it because you know it's not being able to play anything any musical instruments you kind of get a little sad and so you start thinking maybe i can find a computer program and i can learn how to make a midi (laughs) file or something and yeah
4: something yeah there's lots of stuff out now and there's uh there's also digital keyboards You you could always get one of those and then it at night, you could plug in headphones. You could play yeah. without disturbing neighbors. I mean, that that's always <laughs> an option as well.
1: Yeah, and I think my my wife has one, but we don't have the power adapter for the thing. I'm like,
4: how did you have this without a power adapter? Well, we used <laughs> used to
1: use batteries. I'm like,
4: wow, okay. It's always something, isn't it? Always, always something.
1: something. And she doesn't like it anyway because you know it doesn't feel like a decent piano, so it, it feels weird because right. she used to she used to have the entertainer memorized, and so oh. she would just go to piano and just start. Going at it and... Oh
6: yeah. That's I awesome. Know. I
1: think she's lost a lot of her skill because it's been now a long time since she gets to play with a piano. So, But one of these days, we might just have that inherited one, and then she's going to get right. good, and then I'm going to learn, and then we'll just be a nice little. We'll be like that couple in that old video that they were at the Mayo Clinic, and they had the old couple playing uh. both ends of the piano and singing songs. That'll be us.
4: That'll be you guys. That's so cute. That'll be awesome.
1: And knowing my Disney nerdness, we will be playing Disney songs.
4: <laughs> well, of course, you have to. Disney and John Williams, I mean, what else is there, right? <laughs> you yeah. got to do that.
1: Of course, because that, that's I the know. pinnacle for when you're kind of Disney nerd, you know, or and or music nerd, you're I gonna know. kind of go that way. You're gonna the, the primary thing you start buying musical scores, and you're probably gonna buy anything Disney. And then you're gonna, if John Williams does it, or Danny Elfman does it, right.
4: or James Horner does it, you're probably gonna go get it. Exactly, and I really like um, Michael Giacchino. Ghi- yeah. He's now done a lot of stuff for Disney, and he did. You know, the music for Lost on TV and Alias. I think he did Alias. But um, but yeah, all like his his score for the Pixar film Up is oh, like, yes. brilliant. And even his score for uh, The Incredibles oh, yes. is so fun. I think that guy's really great.
1: Yeah, I, I get excited when I hear he's doing something for Disney again. Yeah. Every time. I'm, yeah. <gasps> plus, uh, I believe he did uh, Jurassic World, didn't he? Did he? Do, oh, you're right. He did, didn't he? Yes. Which I, I was excited right.
4: about that. I was like, "Yay!"
1: So, you're right. Yeah, because yeah, he's great. He's
6: oh.
4: great. Okay, but to get the focus back on you. <laughs> okay, because we get. I know two two guys that love music talking. yeah on forever. Because
1: how do you even approach John Williams? And you know you've got great stuff to work <laughs> with, and you're like, how am I going to adapt this and make this different enough to put my own touch to it? Without like taking anything away from it. How do you even approach that?
4: You know, it's I know that that was the big challenge because I wanted to keep his spirit like like what those songs are doing, what those melodies are doing in the movies and what they invoke in people, including myself. I mean, this is what these these songs bring up all kinds of feelings in me. So I wanted to keep that. Intact, But yet, of course, what every musician wants to do is just put their own little spin on it, you know, to put their mark onto it to say, look, this is what I've created uh, with this form, like with this stuff. Do you like it? What do you think? All that kind of good stuff. So what I tried to do is just keep uh, keep true to the spirit of the melody of what was there and then just kind of work with that and spin on it and see what I can do and what kind of touches of my own I could put onto it and that's basically all I did uh, like for example I did um, like the Cantina band I have two cuts on the album and one's like a like a rag style like a ragtime band kind of normal um, rendition and then I did one in a waltz style oh. because I always thought I wonder what this sounds like in 3-4 time because it's kind of fun <clears throat> so I did a waltz version of that which was kind of fun I liked it I liked it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if anyone else is going to like it, but I, I like it.
1: Yeah, it's, you just have to keep that open mind and open ears to say, "Well, here's something you're familiar with, but it's just a little different. Just right, like, just to look right. at it." Which, like I said, I always find fun. I even love, um, oh, I can't even think of where it came from, but someone who had did like, even though they, they played an entire line keyboard and did all so the, none of the instruments are real, but did ska versions of all these different songs. Oh. Oh, uh, Skankin' nice. Mouse, I think it is, isn't it? Oh, okay. Yes. I've oh, never my heard goodness. Of that. No. Uh, oh, wow. I, I believe the website is still up, but it's, it's really kind of neat because it, and okay. a lot of, uh, some of it seems, well, it doesn't quite always work, but some of, like, right. um, uh, the March of the Cards from Alice in Wonderland, done into uh, a, a ska rhythm actually works so well and it's that's so cool. catchy. So,
4: yeah, you just have uh, to be open sometimes to hear things a little differently than what you're used to. Right, exactly, exactly. And it was really interesting to try to condense all of that orchestral stuff down just to the piano because, <laughs> <clears throat> you know, there's so much in an orchestra. There's so much happening. Yeah. Um, but a good thing, I've always been, I was trained to play very... Um, I play really heavy sometimes and it's gotten me in trouble a lot because I used to play people like you're so loud when you play like that's what I used to get all the time when I was younger because I would just play really loud but it does help in these kind of situations like when I did the Imperial March I started out really slow and more legato like more smooth you know like eerily. Like this is Darth Vader ear, you know eerie and all that kind of stuff, like like creepy. And then I went into the excuse me the full force of the theme, which requires, uh, in my opinion, a lot of banging on the piano. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's a forceful, forceful theme. So I ended it that way as well. But I but see, I thought that was pretty cool. Like to start a little bit slow and and give a different kind of feeling to that piece, and then pay homage to it by finishing up the way that you that you always hear it. Yeah. So it's like that kind of stuff was fun to do. Yeah.
1: And you weren't playing heavy, you were just playing passionately and <laughs> exactly. getting on to it
4: like mm, yes. It was very passionate, I'll <laughs> have to say that. It was passionate.
1: Well, you yeah, have to have that kind of passion if you're going to go and, you know, and be able to well, I don't know if you're fully making a living off of it or if you're still having to work a regular job and suffer through that. <laughs> But when you're trying to, you know, follow, a, you know, something like that, you have to really have that passion so you can make it something and get it out into the world
4: and be able to, you know, live that way. And, you know, exactly. I agree with you. I make I mean, I do most of my living is with music. I do have some other like part time jobs. Like I, I walk dogs part time, which I really <laughs> love. I love dog. I love cats and dogs. I have a cat is this most people have heard me on podcast sometimes my cat crashes the podcast <laughs> and he loves to talk so <laughs> my cat is 20 years old so he basically does whatever he wants when yeah. he wants to
6: my but, goodness
4: uh, so that's fun to do on the site but you know of course my passion is music and and uh a lot of people don't know because the past few albums i've done have been cover music but i write all my own music as well like my past like 10 albums before all this are all original music because i write all my own music so what i wanted to do for star wars was kind of share that a little bit so i did put One original song on the album of my that I wrote, kind of like in the Star Wars vein. Like this is what I feel. Like this is my contribution to the world of Star Wars. And if there was a theme I'd write, it would sound something like this. And uh, I put it on there. Oh
1: well, I look forward to getting a chance to hear it whenever my CD arrives. (laughs) Hopefully,
4: it'll be soon. It's the (laughs) it's the title track of the album. It's Journey to the Stars, so it's the title track. And uh, I really, really like how it turned out. I really did.
1: Oh, awesome uh, and all these 10 albums i figure are available at tom music
6: or
4: tom, tom me music. music yeah there's links there because they're like on itunes they're on amazon uh yeah they're all over the place and i'm not exactly sure which one's on what but my I, my website has all the links where you can download all the songs so if you want something from the google play store it's there if you want it from amazon it's there uh all that kind of good stuff now in the The Journey to the Stars, my latest one, is now on CD Baby, where you said you could order the CD. Mm -hmm. The MP3s are there. It just got onto Google Play. uh, And iTunes is coming. It should be up within a few days. For some reason, iTunes is really, because it's the Christmas season, Uh it's taking longer, they said, because they have so many people that are are putting stuff on there. But hopefully it'll be up on a couple days, because iTunes is where most people get their music from. Uh, so it'll it, it's going to be in all those places.
1: Which is awesome. So definitely everybody's got to go and get this. And then, you know, once you start realizing, hey, I really like what he did with Star Wars. <laughs> check out what he did with Disney. I still haven't picked up
4: all your Disney stuff yet. Oh, that's OK. The Disney stuff was so fun to oh, do. I had such a good time. That's why I did like three albums. of It, <laughs> it was so much fun to do.
1: Yeah. And they have such an expansive library. That's like there's oh. always something you haven't done yet
4: always something. There's so much to choose from. It was very, like, I think the second, first and second, they had a lot of Epcot stuff on there, but then there's a lot of, like, uh, um, stuff from Disneyland specifically, and then there's some parade music. There was, um, what was it, C.S. Noel? It was one of the songs from Disneyland Paris that I did. You're, so you're right, there's so much music out there from Disney. Uh, so I, I just, it was so nice to put that together and try to do some arrangements that you know kind of spoke to me it was really fun
1: oh, of course especially in, when you love disney you know how can you not enjoy I playing know. with their music and like oh so i know
4: it's it's just so much fun and of course it brings back all kinds of memories for me because i grew up on this stuff i was so once the night that renaissance hit like little mermaid and beauty and the beast and aladdin and mm-hmm. i was just i was i was i mean i was in love i i had all those albums listen to all the music One of my favorite scores, it's not the most popular movie, but the score and the music to Hunchback of Notre Dame, Notre Dame, is amazing. That, to me, is one of Alan Menken's finest work. It's amazing.
1: It's such a wide range of because it's it's so dark at times. Yes, I know,
4: but it's so good. It's just so Mm -hmm. so well done. And then of course I loved. You remember the original Newsies, the movie and the soundtrack with Christian Bale on it. And I never saw it. (laughs) Oh, I was so enamored with that. That was the. I remember. I think it was one summer. That's one of the only soundtracks I listened to was Newsies. Wow. (laughs) The original Newsies. It was so much fun. But yeah, he's just. There's just so much Disney music. (laughs)
1: E <laughs> Oh, my goodness. But I better start wrapping this up here.
4: Exactly. <laughs> I feel like I we know.
1: barely scratched the surface of some stuff to talk about. But I'm like, I oh, know. I know I've got so much more stuff to bring into this episode.
4: <laughs> it's totally fine. It's oh. totally fine. But I, this has been really wonderful.
1: Well, well, thanks for coming on. This has been fun. So you are, of course, welcome to come back any time. You, know, you want to share any more music or let us, hey, we got a new album coming out. Then please come and let me know. Thank you. I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> All right. So once again, everybody, go to Tom music.com and find Journey to the Stars. Buy it from CD Baby. Hopefully it will be at least on iTunes soon. And, of course, Google Music. Love that one. Then go back, buy the Disney albums, then love those. And then go look at all this original stuff. That's I was looking at your website with all the originals. I'm like, wow, if I wanted to listen to some of these, I don't know where to start.
4: <laughs> yeah, there's quite a lot of them right now.
1: But it's, it's nice because sometimes when you need to de-stress, some nice yes. piano music really helps.
4: I agree. I'm, I'm the same way. I like piano music. And I also, I love acoustic guitar music. Yeah. That does it a lot of times for me as well.
1: You have to find somebody who knows how to do some good finger picking, because oh, I sure can't.
4: <laughs> I Well, I, I, that is so beyond what I can do, I, let me tell you. But it's just beautiful stuff. I love mm-hmm. it. I do. Yeah, it's good oh, stuff.
1: Yes, oh yes. Even I, okay. Well, I could get, I could get going. But like Trans Siberian Orchestra, there, I cannot yeah. think of it. But I know they've got a lot of some really good acoustic pieces oh, that they've yeah. put in there on that. Uh, what was that? I think it's that first one that they put out. That
4: okay, I absolutely
1: yeah. love some of because uh, I think uh, God Rest You married Gentlemen. I think they've got some very oh, nice yeah. acoustic in there. But yeah, oh yeah, awesome. I was you there. <laughs> I could end up going another twenty minutes, and we have more exactly. things to get to. Exactly. <laughs> It's definitely everybody go buy the album because trust me, if you love Star Wars, you're going to love this because, come on, Star Wars nerd, music nerd, he makes music. What's not to love,
4: right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
9: time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Rebel commanders were planning their next move against the evil Galactic Empire. For the first time, all warships in the Rebel fleet were being brought together to form a single great armada. Little did they know, however, that the rebellion was doomed, for the Emperor had ordered the construction of a new armored space station, more powerful than the first Death Star. Amid the frantic construction operations, an Imperial shuttle arrived at the massive docking bay aboard the half-completed battle station. Death Star commander Moff Gergerod and his troops snapped to attention as a black-masked figure strode menacingly down the shuttle ramp. Lord Vader, this is an
7: unexpected pleasure. We're honored by your presence. You may dispense with the pleasantries, Commander. I'm here to put you back on schedule. I assure you, Lord Vader, my men are working as fast as they can. Perhaps I can find new ways to motivate them. I tell you, this station will be operational as planned. The Emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. But he asks the impossible. I need more men. Then, perhaps, you can tell him when he arrives. The Emperor's coming here? That is correct, Commander. And he is most displeased with your apparent lack of progress. We shall double our efforts. I hope so, Commander, for your sake. The Emperor is not as forgiving as I am.
9: Meanwhile, Commander Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and Lando Calrissian had made their way to the desert planet of Tatooine in an attempt to rescue their friend Han Solo from the clutches of the vile gangster Jabba the Hutt. Luke's rescue plans were already underway as the Golden Droid, C-3PO, and his squat companion R2-D2 approached Jabba's ominous palace along a sand-swept road.
10: Of course I'm worried, and you should be too. Lando Calrissian and poor Chewbacca never returned from that awful place. If I told you half the things I've heard about this Jabba the Hut, you'd probably short-circuit.
9: When the two droids reached the palace, a huge iron door clanked open. They entered the gloomy interior, where they were confronted by pig-like Gamorrean guards and by Jabba's satanic-looking assistant, Bib Fortuna.
10: Atu, I have a bad feeling about this.
9: Before long, they found themselves in Jabba's throne room. A dank chamber filled with a bizarre collection of alien beasts, bounty hunters and revelers. But among these dregs of the galactic underworld, the most grotesque was their leader, Jabba the Hutt. A repulsive blob of bloated flesh who reclined on his immense throne like a gigantic slug. The revolting gangster greeted the droids in Huttese. Oh, Judah. Message, R2, the message. R2 beamed a holographic image of a black-robed figure before Jabba.
10: Greetings,
11: exalted one. I am Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight and friend to Captain Solo. I seek an audience with your greatness to bargain for Solo's life. (laughs) With your wisdom, I'm sure that we can work out an arrangement which will be mutually beneficial and enable us to avoid any unpleasant confrontation. As a token of my goodwill, I present to you a gift. These two droids. What did he
10: say? Both are hardworking and will serve you well. This can't be. Artu, you're playing the wrong message. (laughs) We're doomed.
9: Jabba was not about to give up his favorite decoration. He gestured proudly to a metallic slab at the far end of the room.
10: Artu, look. Captain Solo. And he's still frozen in carbonite.
9: Thus it was that R2-D2 became a service droid on Java's sail barge, while C-3PO was employed as Java's personal translator. The golden droid was soon put to work when a helmeted bounty hunter named Bush entered the throne room, leading a shaggy eight-foot Wookiee in chains.
6: <laughs> no Chewbacca!
7: Can't you talk, droid? Uh,
10: yes, I am here,
7: your worshipfulness.
10: Uh, yes?
7: Oh,
10: the illustrious Jabba bids you welcome and will gladly pay you the reward of 25,000. You know, you know. 50,000, no less. fifty the, the mighty Jabba asks why he must pay 50,000. Hey, you know. Because he's holding a thermal detonator.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
10: Jabba offers a sum of 35. And I do suggest you take it.
5: Zebus. <laughs> he agrees.
9: The bargain concluded. Boosh joined the revelry as Chewbacca was dragged to a dungeon cell below. Later that evening, Bush maneuvered his way stealthily through the room full of snoring drunken creatures toward the alcove holding Jabba's carbonite prize. The bounty hunter activated a series of switches. The carbonite block began to melt, revealing the dazed figure of Han Solo. Just
2: relax for a moment. You're free as the carbonite. You have hibernation sickness. I can't see. Your eyesight will return in time. Where am I? Javas
7: palace. <gasps> who are you?
0: Someone who loves you. Well. I gotta get you out of here.
2: Oh, oh, oh. What's that? Oh, oh, oh. I know that laugh. Oh, oh, oh. Ah, Chicago.
11: Hey, Jabba, I was just on my way to pay you back, and I got a little sidetracked. It's not my fault. We now are Kangban <laughs>
9: Look, Jabba, a paved triple. You're throwing away a fortune here. Don't be a fool.
0: We have powerful friends. You're going to regret this.
9: But Jabba did not seem concerned. Instead, he amused himself by making Leia his personal slave girl, chaining her to the foot of his throne. <gasps> Han was dragged to a dank cell, where the blind pilot discovered that he was not alone. Chewie? Chewie, is that you? Ha! Chewie! Wait,
11: I can't see, pal. What's going
6: on?
11: Luke's crazy. He can't even take care of himself. Much less rescue anybody. a Jedi Knight?
7: <laughs> I'm out of it. For a little while, everybody gets delusions of grandeur.
9: At that moment, a lone, unarmed figure clothed in a dark hooded robe entered Jabba's throne room. Have a no-pace, Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight.
10: At last, Master Luke's come to rescue me.
11: I must be allowed to speak. You will bring Captain Solo and the Wookiee to me. Oh. I'm taking Captain Solo and his friends. You can either profit by this, or be destroyed. It's your choice, but I warn you not to underestimate my powers.
10: Master Luke, you're standing on... ja no!
9: The grating beneath Luke's feet dropped away, and he tumbled into a deep cavern. Jabba's minions watched with glee as a large metal door was raised near Luke. Through it lumbered a huge slavering monster. time again, Luke skillfully eluded the ponderous beast, but the creature finally trapped the young Jedi in a small alcove of the dark cavern. Luke looked around and picked up the skull of an earlier victim, and took careful aim at a distant control panel. A large metal retaining door dropped heavily and crushed the beast to death. Jabba was furious. Luke, Han, and Chewie were taken before him.
11: Han! Luke! Are you all right? Fine. Together again, huh? Wouldn't miss it. How are we doing? Same as always. That bad, huh? Where's Leia?
0: I'm
2: here.
10: His high exaltedness, the great of the Hut, has decreed that you ought to be terminated immediately. Good. I hate long waits. You will therefore be taken to the Dune Sea and cast into the pit of Kharkoon, the nesting place of the all-powerful Sarlacc.
9: Doesn't sound so bad.
10: In his belly you will find a new definition of pain and suffering as you are slowly digested over a thousand years. Second thought, let's pass on that, huh? You should've bargained, Jabba. It's the last mistake
11: you'll ever make.
9: Yatch <laughs> too. Anxious to witness the execution, Jabba loaded his cronies into his floating sail barge and headed out to the pit of carcoon From the deck of the spacious barge, Leia, R2 and 3PO watched an air skiff carrying their friends arrive and hover over the mouth of the Sarlacc.
8: Just stick close to Chewie and Landau.
9: i have taken care of everything. Oh, great.
10: Victims of the almighty Sarlacc, His Excellency hopes that you will die honorably. Java, this is your
11: last chance. Free us or die.
9: Luke was shoved to the end of a gangplank. The young Jedi glanced over to R2 aboard the sail barge and saluted. The tiny droid fired a lightsaber into Luke's waiting hand. Luke slashed at the skiff guards. Lando threw off his guard disguise and helped free Han and Chewbacca. The astonished onlookers jumped into action. They fired the large sail barge guns at Luke's skiff, toppling it sideways. Lando was thrown overboard and began sliding down the sand toward the Sarlacc's mouth. The desert monster wrapped a horrible tentacle around Lando's leg. As Chewie clutched his feet, Han dangled from the skiff in an attempt to reach his friend.
10: Chewie, give me the gun!
6: Uh
2: Don't move, Lando! No, wait! I thought you were blind! It's all right, I can see a lot better. Don't move! Uh, Chewie, pull Come on. Uh, uh, all right, up, uh, uh, Chewie.
9: Uh. Meanwhile, Luke had leaped onto the sail barge, striking down Jabba's soldiers. <laughs> During the diversion, Princess Leia threw her slave chain around Jabba's neck and strangled the foul creature. Then she raced to Luke's side.
10: Come on, we gotta get out of here quick. Quickly, Arthur! Uh, get the gun! Point at the deck!
9: Leia aimed a barge cannon downward as Luke kicked the trigger. Ah. The gun's energy bolt blasted a gaping hole through the barge as Luke and Leia swung by rope onto the waiting skiff.
11: Let's go! And don't forget the droids! We're on our way!
9: Lando steered the skiff swiftly over the sand dunes as Jabba's pleasure barge exploded in flames. Soon, Luke was aboard his X-wing as the others departed Tatooine in the Millennium Falcon. I'll meet you back at the fleet.
0: Hurry. The alliance should be assembled by now.
9: I will.
11: Hey, Luke, thanks. Thanks for coming after me. Now I owe you one. (laughs) That's right, R2. We're going to the Dagobah system. I have a promise to keep. To an old friend.
2: That face you make. Look by so old, young eyes. No, of course not. I do. (coughs) Yes, I do. Sick have I become. hmm, Old and weak. When 900 years old you reach, look as good you will not. Hmm? (laughs) Soon will I rest. Yes. Forever sleep earned it, I have. Master Yoda, you can't die. Strong am I with the Force, but not that strong. Twilight is upon me, and soon, night must fall. That is the way of things, the way of the
11: Force. But I need your help. I've come back to complete the training.
2: No more training you require. Already know you, that which you need. Then I am a Jedi. And yet, one thing remains. Vader, you must confront Vader. Then, only then,
8: a Jedi will you be. And confront him, you will. Master Yoda, is Darth Vader my father? Your father he is. Told you, did he?
6: Hmm.
2: Yes. Mm. Unexpected, this is, and unfortunate. Unfortunate that you rushed to face him. That incomplete was your training. That not ready for the burden were you. I'm sorry. Remember, a Jedi strength flows from the Force. that beware, anger, fear, oppression dark side are they once you start down the dark path forever will it dominate your destiny no do not underestimate the powers of the emperor or suffer your father's fate you will Yeah, when gone am I the last of the Jedi will you be the Force wins strong in your family. Pass
6: on what you have
2: learned. Luke... is... ah,
9: The tiny Jedi Master quietly faded from sight. Luke was dazed. He wandered outside.
12: You can't go on alone. Yoda will always be with you. Obi-Wan, why didn't you tell me? You
8: told me Vader betrayed and murdered my father.
12: Your father was seduced by the dark side of the Force. He ceased to be Anakin Skywalker and became Darth Vader. When that happened, the good man who was your father was destroyed. So what I told you was true, Anakin was a good friend. When I first knew him, your father was already a great pilot, but I was amazed how strongly the force was with him. I took it upon myself to train him as a Jedi. I thought that I could instruct him just as well as Yoda. I was wrong. There is still good in him. He's more machine now than man, twisted and evil. I
8: can't do it, Ben. I
12: can't kill my own father. Then the Emperor has already won. You were our only hope. Yoda spoke of another. The other he spoke of is your twin sister. But I have no sister. Hmm. To protect you both from the Emperor, you were hidden from your father when you were born. The Emperor knew, as I did, if Anakin were to have any offspring, they would be a threat to him. That is the reason. Why, your sister remains safely anonymous.
8: Leia. Leia is my sister.
12: Your insight serves you well. Bury your feelings deep down, Luke. They do you credit, but they could be made to serve the Emperor.
9: Meanwhile, aboard the Death Star, hundreds of Imperial troops snapped to attention as the Emperor's shuttle ramp was lowered. Darth Vader knelt before his master, a gnarled and ancient figure wrapped in a hooded cloak.
5: Rise, my friend. The Death Star will be completed on schedule. You've done well, Lord Vader. And now I sense you wish to continue your search for young Skywalker. Yes, my master. Patience, my friend. In time, he will seek you out, and when he does, you must bring him before me. He has grown strong. Only together can we turn him to the dark side of the Force.
7: As you wish.
9: Aboard the Rebel Headquarters frigate, Alliance leader Mon Mothma addressed the anxious Rebel troops.
10: The Emperor's made a critical error and the time for our attack has come. The data brought to us by the Bothan spies pinpoints the exact location of the Emperor's new battle station. We've learned that the Emperor himself is personally overseeing the final stages of the construction of this Death Star. Admiral Akbar, please.
2: Although the weapon systems on this Death Star are not yet operational, the Death Star does have a strong defense mechanism. It is protected by an energy shield which is generated from the nearby forest moon of Endor The shield must be deactivated if any attack is to be attempted Once the shield is down, our cruisers will create a perimeter While the fighters fly into the superstructure and attempt to knock out the main reactor General Calrissian has volunteered to lead the fighter attack
9: Good luck, you're gonna need it
10: General Nadine, we have stolen a small Imperial shuttle disguised as a cargo ship and using a secret Imperial code A strike team will land on the moon and deactivate the shield generator General solo is your strike team assembled Uh, my
11: team's ready. I don't have a command crew for the shuttle
2: Mm
6: -hmm.
11: That's gonna be rough. Pal. I didn't want to speak for you Mm -hmm. That's one
12: General count
10: me in I'm with you too Luke! Hi, Han. Chewie. Exciting is hardly the word I would choose.
11: You got her warmed? Yeah, she's coming up. Yeah, well, I don't think the Empire had Wookiees in mind when they designed her, Chewie.
9: Han stared out the windshield of the stolen Imperial Shuttle toward his beloved Millennium Falcon.
0: Hey, you awake?
9: Yeah, I just got a funny feeling, like I'm not going to see her
7: again.
10: Come on, General. Let's move.
7: Right. Chewy.
11: let's see what this piece of junk can do. Ready, everybody? All set.
7: Here we go again.
5: What is thy bidding, my master? Send the fleet to the far side of Endor. There it will stay until called for. What of the reports of the rebel fleet massing near Sullust? It is of no concern. Soon the rebellion will be crushed and young Skywalker will be one of us. Your work here is finished, my friend. Go out to the command ship and await my orders.
9: Yes, my master. Jumping through hyperspace, Han found himself approaching Vader's command ship and the half-completed Death Star. If they don't go for this, we're going to have to get out of here pretty quick, Chewie.
3: Shuttle Tidarium, transmit to the clearance code for shield passage. Transmission commencing.
10: Now we find out if that code is worth the price we paid.
3: It'll work.
9: It'll work. Vader's on that ship. Now, don't get jittery, Luke.
8: I'm endangering the mission. I shouldn't have come. Where is that shuttle going? Shall I hold them? No.
7: Leave them to me. I will deal with them myself. As you wish,
3: my lord. On.
2: Shuttle Tiderium. The activation of the shield
11: will commence immediately. Follow your present course.
3: Okay, I told you it's gonna work.
9: Han proceeded to Endor, a nearby moon covered with thick foliage and huge trees. Landing near the Imperial base, he and his troops began their secretive march toward the shield generator bunker. They had not gone far when they were spotted by two Imperial scouts.
6: Go for help! Go!
9: Han knocked out the first scout as the second leaped onto his speeder bike and roared off into the woods. Chewie quickly aimed his crossbow.
11: See them wait, Leia.
9: Leia grabbed the remaining speeder bike and zoomed off just as Luke jumped onto the back seat. Leia skillfully steered after the two escaping scouts.
11: Move closer, get alongside that one.
9: Luke leaped onto the nearest bike, knocking its rider to the ground. Just then, two more Imperial speeder bikes joined the chase. Keep on that one, I'll take these two. Luke quickly braked and let his two pursuers rush past him. He blasted one to the ground and raced after the other. They waved among the trees at breakneck speed. Their bikes tangled. Luke detached his bike and leaped to safety just before it collided with a tree. The Imperial Speeder Scout doubled back, firing laser bolts. Luke lit his lightsaber and deflected the shots. As the speeder tore past him, Luke slashed off a stabilizer fan. The bike spun out of control and smashed into a giant tree. Far ahead, Leia was knocked from her bike just as her prey met with a large tree stump.
10: Uh, General Sulu, somebody's coming.
9: Luke! Where's Leia?
11: We got separated. Hey, we better go look for her.
9: Take the squad ahead. We'll meet at the shield generator 0300.
10: Come
11: on, R2. We'll need your scanners.
10: Don't worry, Master Luke. We know what to do.
9: Deep in the indoor forest, a small, bear-like creature approached the unconscious body of the princess. Cautiously, he prodded her with the point of his crude spear.
2: <laughs> goopa <Gooba-looba. gasps> Cut it out!
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna hurt you. <laughs> Well, looks like I'm stuck here. Trouble is I don't know where here is. Maybe you can help me. Come on, sit down. I promise I won't hurt you. Now come here. All right. You want something to eat? Come on. Hmm? That's right. You're a jittery little thing, aren't you?
6: What is it?
7: Freeze! Come on, get up. Go get your ride and take her back to base.
12: Yes, sir. What the?
9: Leia knocked out the distracted guard with a tree lamp. Then she shot the remaining scout as he sped off on his bike.
0: Come on,
5: Let's get out of here. I told you to remain on the command ship. A
7: small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. My
5: son is with them. Are you sure? I have felt him, my master. Then you must go to the Centauri Moon and wait for him. His compassion for you will be his undoing. He will come to you, and then you will bring him before me. As you wish.
10: There's two more speeders back there. Oh, Master Luke. I'm afraid that our two senses can find no trace of Princess Leia.
2: I hope she's all right.
9: Suddenly, they were surrounded by a host of Ewoks. Small, furry warriors waving crude spears. Hey, point that thing someplace else.
6: All right, don't. You'll be all right. Chewie,
10: give him your crossbow.
6: My
5: goodness.
10: Treated dogra. He's so What are you telling them? Hello, I think. I could be mistaken They're using a better primitive dialect, but I do believe they Mm. think I am some sort of god. Well, why don't you use your divine influence and get us out of this? I beg your pardon, General Solo, but it's against
9: my programming to impersonate a deity. Freepio! But as Han lunged at C-3PO, the Ewoks arose to protect their golden god. They bound the rebels and hauled them off to the Ewok village high in the treetops. Yet, 3 was carried like a king on a makeshift throne by the admiring teddy bear-like warriors. Once at the primitive village, Han was suspended over a fire pit. I have a really bad feeling about this. What did he say? I'm rather embarrassed, General Solo,
10: but it appears you are to be the main course at a banquet in my honor.
6: Look.
0: Leia.
10: Leia? Your Royal
0: Highness. <laughs> but these are my friends. 3 tell them they must be set free.
8: 3 tell them if they don't do as you wish, you'll become angry and use your magic.
10: to you Boom!
9: Using the force, Luke levitated 3PO over the heads of the superstitious Ewoks.
10: What's happening? Oh, dear!
9: The frightened Ewoks quickly untied Han, Luke and Chewbacca as 3PO slowly descended.
10: I never knew I had it in me.
9: That night, 3PO delighted the Ewok tribe by describing the heroics of the rebels and the terrors of the Empire. And before long, the Ewoks swore to help the rebels in any way they could. But Luke had other things on his mind. He wandered away from the chief's hut. Leia, sensing his anguish, followed him into the night air
0: Luke tell me what's troubling you
9: Vader is here
8: now on this moon he's come for me he can feel when I'm near that's why I have to go as long as I stay I'm endangering the group and our mission here I have to face he's my father your father there's more it won't be easy for you to hear it but you must if I don't make it back, you're the only hope for the Alliance.
0: Luke, don't talk that way. You have a power I, I don't understand and could never have.
8: You're wrong, Leia. You have that power, too. In time, you'll learn to use it as I have. The Force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. And my sister has it. Yes. It's you, Leia.
0: I know. Somehow, I've
10: always known.
8: Then you know why I have to face him. There is good in him.
9: I felt it. I can save him. I can turn him back to the good side. I have to try. Luke turned sadly and left. That night, Vader took a shuttle Mm. to the Imperial base on the moon of Endor. An Imperial walker lumbered up to a docking platform and unloaded its special cargo. This is the rebel that surrendered to us. Although he denies it, I believe there may be more of them. He was armed only with this. Good work,
7: Commander. Leave us. Yes, my lord. The Emperor has been expecting you. I know, Father. So, you have accepted the truth.
11: I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father.
7: That name no longer has any meaning for me.
11: It is the name of your true self you've only forgotten. I know there is good
7: in you. The Emperor hasn't driven it from you fully. Come with me. Obi-Wan once thought as you do. You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. I will not turn and you'll be forced to kill me. If that is your destiny... Suit your feelings, father. You can't do this. I feel the conflict within you let go of your hate. It is too late for me, son. The Emperor will show you the true nature of the Force. He is your master now.
9: Then my father is truly dead. Vader's shuttle lifted off with Luke aboard for its journey to the Death Star. Meanwhile, the Rebels began moving against the Empire. On Indoor, the Ewoks guided Han and his strike force to a secret back entrance to the shield generator bunker. And in another part of the galaxy, Lando led the Rebel fleet into hyperspace for its imminent attack on the Death Star, where at that same moment, Vader had brought his son before the Emperor.
5: Welcome, young Skywalker. I'm looking forward to completing your training. In time you will call me master. You're gravely mistaken. You won't convert me as you did my father. By now you must know your father can never be turned from the dark side. So will it be with you. You're wrong. Soon I'll be dead, and you with me. <laughs> Perhaps you referred to the imminent attack of your rebel fleet. Your friends, up there on the Sanctuary Moon, are walking into a trap, as is your Rebel fleet. It was I who allowed the Alliance to know the location of the shield generator. It is quite safe from your pitiful little band. An entire legion of my best troops awaits them.
9: Using the bunker's back entrance, the rebel task force stormed into the control room carrying explosives.
7: Up! Ooh, come on! Quickly, quickly! Chewie!
2: Charges, come on! Han, hurry! The fleet will be here any moment! Throw me another charge! Come on!
9: But as the Emperor had planned, dozens of stormtroopers rushed into the bunker, surprising the rebels. Freeze! You rebel scum! At that moment, the Rebel fleet came out of hyperspace to face the uncompleted Death Star.
3: We've got to be able to get some kind of reading on that shield up or down.
9: Well,
11: how could they be jamming us if they don't know if we're coming? Break off the attack! The shield is still up! All craft, pull off! Take a base of actors!
2: Admiral, we have enemy ships in Sector 27! It's a trap!
9: Fighters coming in. Accelerate to attack speed. Draw their fire away from the cruisers. Copy, Gold
5: Leader. Come, boy. See for yourself. From here, you will witness the final destruction of the Alliance and the end of your insignificant rebellion. The hate is swelling in you now. Take your Jedi weapon. Strike me down with it. Give in to your anger. With each passing moment, you make yourself more my servant. No, it is your destiny. You, like your father,
9: are now mine. At the generator bunker, Han and the others were led outside at gunpoint. Suddenly, the Ewok warriors attacked the stormtroopers. From undergrowth and from treetop, tiny arrows, spears and clubs pelted the Imperial forces. Even the Imperial walkers were not immune to the furry assault. Rocks were dropped from crude hang gliders and logs tumbled from hilltops. From the Emperor's throne room, Luke could see the Rebel fleet caught between the Star Destroyers and the Death Star.
5: As you can see, my young apprentice, your friends have failed. Now witness the firepower of this fully armed and operational battle station. Fire at will, Commander.
9: Fire. That blast came from the Death Star. That thing's operational.
3: We are it. All right, prepare to retreat. You won't get another chance at this, Admiral.
9: We
2: have no choice, General Calrissian. Our cruisers can't repel firepower of that magnitude. And we'll have that shield down. We've got to give him more time. Move as close as you can
11: and engage those star destroyers at point-blank range. And that goes right, we won't last long against those star destroyers. We'll last longer than we will against that Death Star, and we might just
5: take a few of them with us. Your fleet is lost, and your friends on the Indoor Moon will not survive. The Alliance will die. Good. I can feel your anger. I am defenseless. Take your weapon. Strike me down with all of your hatred and your journey towards the dark side will be complete.
9: Luke could stand no more. His lightsaber flew into his hand and he swung it at the evil ruler. But Vader's weapon parried the blow.
5: <laughs> Good. Use your aggressive feelings, boy. Let the hate flow through you. Obi-Wan has
7: taught you well. I will not fight you. You are unwise to lower your defenses. Your
8: thoughts betray you, Father. I feel the good in you. The conflict. There is no conflict. You couldn't bring yourself to kill me before and I don't believe you'll destroy me now.
7: You underestimate the power of the dark side. If you will not fight, then you will meet your destiny.
9: Watch out, Squad 106.
3: I'm on it, Gold Leader. Good shot, Red 2. I'm sure in the middle of it now. Come on, hand old buddy. Don't let me down.
7: Give yourself to the dark side. It is the only way you can save your friends. Yes, your thoughts betray you. Your feelings for them are strong. Especially for... Sister. So, you have a twin sister. Your feelings have now betrayed her, too. Obi-Wan was wise to hide her from me. Now his failure is complete. If you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will.
9: In a blind fury, Luke slashed at Vader, driving him to his knees. With a final blow, he severed the Dark Lord's hand, exposing a wrist of wires and electronics. Good!
5: Your hate has made you powerful. Now, fulfill your destiny and take your father's place at my side. Never. I'll never turn to
8: the dark side. I am a Jedi, like my father before me.
5: So be it, Jedi. If you will not be turned,
9: you will be destroyed. Deadly energy bolts shot from the Emperor's hands, hammering Luke to the floor. Meanwhile, on Indoor, the battle raged on. Unable to break into the bunker by force, Han tried a new trick using the bunker's video screen.
11: It's over, Commander. The Rebels have been routed. They're fleeing into the woods. We need reinforcements
7: to continue the pursuit. Send three squads to help. Open the back door.
9: At that, the Rebels rushed inside, recapturing the bunker. They quickly set their explosive charges and ran outside for cover.
2: shield is down all fighters commence attack on the death star's main reactor we're on our way
11: red group gold group all fighters follow me <laughs> i told you they'd do it <laughs>
5: yeah. only now at the end do you understand Your feeble skills are no match for the power of the dark side. Father, please, help
9: me. A final barrage of deadly bolts struck the young Jedi. The sight of his son in agony suddenly reached the heart of Anakin Skywalker. The wounded Dark Lord summoned his strength and lifted the Emperor over his head. The energy bolts turned to rain down on Vader. But with a last heroic effort, he managed to throw the Emperor into a deep chasm. and two X-Wings raced into the superstructure of the half-completed battle station. Here goes nothing. Now lock onto the strongest power source. It should be the power generator. Amid the confusion on the Death Star, Luke dragged the battered body of his father to a shuttle in the docking bay.
7: Luke, help me take this mask off. But you'll die. Nothing can stop that now. Just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. Now, go, my son. Leave me.
8: No, you're coming with me. I can't leave you here. I've got to save you. You already have. Look,
2: you are right about me. Tell your sister you will right. Father, I won't leave you.
9: through the narrow corridors of pipes and girders, Lando and Wedge finally reached the core of the Death Star.
3: There it is. All right, Wedge, go for the power regulator on the North Tower.
9: Copy, Gold Leader. I'm already on my way out. The blast started a chain reaction of internal explosions. Lando and Wedge raced ahead of the fireballs and finally shot out into the safety of space. <laughs> The destruction of the Death Star flashed like a blazing sun above the victorious rebel troops on Endor.
0: They did it!
9: I'm sure Luke wasn't on that thing when it blew.
0: He wasn't. I can feel it.
9: You love him, don't you? Yes. All right. I understand. When he comes back, I won't get in the way.
0: It's not like that at all my brother
9: (laughs) Luke had indeed escaped the destruction of the Death Star to land safely on the moon of Endor that night he solemnly placed the body of Vader on a funeral pyre and set it ablaze Luke watched sadly as the flames consumed his fallen father then he joined the noisy celebration in the Ewok village Bonfires burned, songs were sung, and fireworks lit the sky. The victorious rebels congratulated each other, joyous in the knowledge that their fight was over at last and that news of their hard-won freedom would soon reach across the galaxy. Luke, Leia, Han, and Lando hugged each other happily as the Ewoks danced around the victory fires. Then Luke caught sight of three familiar figures. The spectral images of Yoda, Obi-Wan, and his father, Anakin Skywalker, smiled proudly at the young Jedi. Leia approached and took Luke by the arm. Smiling, she drew him back to the celebration and to his friends and to their circle of love.
1: Thank you for listening to the neverland podcast
13: we invite you back next week for more fun and adventure
1: until then remember to keep a pixie in your pocket
13: it's that young at heart positive attitude that you can share with others
1: and remember to visit our website at neverlandpodcast.com
13: there you can find links to our news page a link to visit our shop and much more
1: and please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492
13: Or email us at podcast at neverlandpodcast.com.
1: If you email us a Lost Boy or Pixie nickname with a reason why you chose that name, you can become an official Neverlander.
13: Girls are too clever to get lost, so we are naturally magical pixies.
1: And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast.
13: And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook.
1: We also have a group on Facebook for you to join.
13: We also appreciate your support in keeping the Neverland Podcast up and running.
1: Visit patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive.
13: Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license.
1: All original content is copyright of Blue Man Productions. God God bless. bless!